Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. As I uh, drive through local neighborhoods, it certainly appears that we're in a, a strong economic period, as evidenced by the growing number of construction and remodeling signs that I see everywhere, uh, both on uh, residential lawns and, and commercial properties. The uh, increase in activity is, is great for local contractors and, and tradespeople, but as history tells us, this, uh, this type of increase can also lead to conflicts over payment uh, a little further down the road. Uh, those scenarios can often lead to the filing of mechanics liens, and we're going to talk about that today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And on the pad- podcast, we're going to um, adopt the view of the subcontractor today in, in that chain of work and explain how they can protect their interests by uh, developing sound mechanics liens when necessary. Joining me in the conversation is Lavelle Law Attorney Lance Zebel. Uh, we're going to kind of work our way through the topic. Good morning, Lance. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Doing fine. Um, of course, you know, I always like to cover some basic definitions at the beginning of these discussions. So so while we have talked about them before, can we circle back and get a quick refresher on what a mechanics lien is? Sure. A mechanics lien is a lien that a contractor or subcontractor or sometimes anybody that provides material or services to perform work or services that improve the value of a property have the statutory ability to place a lien on the property that protects them in the event that the owner of the property does not pay for their services. And in in my introduction, I mentioned taking the view of the subcontractor, and you just mentioned both contractors and subcontractors. Can you can you sort of define what a, a subcontractor is in that in that world? Sure. The, the the distinction between the two is that a, a contractor has a direct contract with the owner of the property. So, in other words, uh, I hire, or Jim, you hire me to do work on your house. You're the owner. I'm the contractor. However, in performing the work, I may hire another company to do a portion of the work. That company that I hire would be a subcontractor. So the primary distinction is, two, one, the subcontractor is generally hired by the general contractor, and two, the subcontractor does not have a direct contract with the owner of the property. And so in instances like this where subcontractors are brought in and do do both the general contractor and the subcontractor or subcontractors, if there are multiple, have, have the right to file mechanics liens, or is it just the general contractor who, who has that relationship with the property owner that can file? <laughs> Actually, it, it's, it goes quite a bit further down the chain. Um, the general contractor certainly has the right to file a mechanics lien. A subcontractor has the right to file a mechanics lien. A sub-subcontractor, which would be a subcontractor of the subcontractor also has a right to file a lien. Where the differences arise are potentially in the remedies that a subcontractor has as opposed to a general contractor, and second, the notice provisions that a subcontractor must provide as compared to a general contractor. 
All right, so let, let's talk about that a little bit because I think, as you mentioned, there are some distinctions and, and um, as we want to talk about the role of the subcontractor here. Tell me about the process you know, that, that uh, they follow that makes it different than what a, what a contractor might do. Well, the, the main, I guess, to start with, the underlying basis for having additional requirements for a subcontractor to acquire a lien are pretty simple. Uh, if Jim, if you hire me, you know that I'm doing work on the property. Um, therefore, if I go to file a lien because you didn't pay me, I, I don't think you're going to be really surprised by that. However... Mm -hmm an owner of a property that hires somebody to do work on the property doesn't always know if that company hires somebody else to do the work on the property. And so because the owner may not be privy to who exactly is doing work on the property, that's, that's the reason why you have these additional requirements. And essentially there's two of them. Um, one is specific to... Uh, owner-occupied residential real estate. In other words, if your home was your home, you lived there, um, a subcontractor is required to give an owner a 60-day notice that they have performed work on the property. Uh, that 60-day notice has to be given within 60 days of completion of the work. The 90-day notice is actually the more important notice. Um, the 90-day notice has to be given regardless of what kind of property it is. And if that notice is not given, there is a possibility that a mechanics lien could be invalid or if it is valid for a technical legal reason, it could be limited in the amount of money that a subcontractor can require. Um, the 90-day notice, like 60-day notice, has to be issued within 90 days of substantial completion. But as a practical matter, from my standpoint, uh, when I represent a subcontractor or am advising them, I want that notice out as soon as the contract's signed. Uh, and there's some technical legal reasons for that, too. So essentially, to me, a uh, general contractor hires my guy. The next day, I want the notices going out that he's been hired to perform work on the property. And and help me understand here now, you're describing a, a process to notify the property owner um, and, and there are time parameters on it. Now, a mechanics lien itself, is that filed as a general course of action or do they only file that once they find that they're not receiving payment for work done? The statutory requirement is, is once the 90-day notice is issued, the owner has 10 days to make payment. If after 10 days they don't make payment, then you can record the mechanics lien itself. And tell me a little bit about that process. When you when you talk about recording a mechanics lien, is that done through a particular uh, jurisdiction or entity? Is that just a legal document that's submitted? How, how does a subcontractor go about doing that? Uh, it's a legal document that is signed by the subcontractor and then recorded in the county where the property is located. Uh, we're, we're talking about mechanics liens for subcontractors uh, and, and having a, a detailed discussion with attorney Lance Ebel of Lavelle Law today. Lance, um, 
has a, a great deal of experience in this area, handles a range of, of business, litigation, construction, employment law issues in his practice. Uh, like many of the attorneys at Lavelle Law, he's a regular contributor here on Chicago's Legal Latte and also writes uh, frequent articles on various legal topics. All of that can be found at uh, LavelleLaw.com along with uh, Lance's profile, background, and, and contact information. Um, so, Lance, as we, we go through this, you talked about the uh, time parameters that are critical. Um, and I want to make sure, in terms of a subcontractor, did we cover all the steps that they need to take, or is there, there more to add in terms of, of what they need to do to, to you know, position themselves properly in this? As far as the notices go, um, they're somewhat, somewhat self-explanatory in terms of the 60- and 90-day notice. The mechanics lien timing of recording an actual lien is somewhat interesting, uh, just in the sense that if you record the lien within four months of substantial completion of your work, you can obtain priority over a mortgage holder if they're made, if you provide notice to them. Um, if you record after 120 days, your mechanics lien is inferior to any mortgage on the property, um, and therefore foreclosing it has less value than if you record the mortgage the mechanics lien prior to four months. That's the other critical timing issue. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that in terms of priority. Um, you you reference it uh, to the mortgage holder. Um, is there an advantage if you file before other subcontractors, if there are multiple subcontractors and multiple liens? That, does yours being first provide any advantage? You would have priority at that time. The general principle of uh, law as it applies to real estate and as they teach us in law school is first in time, first in right. So if you have an earlier recorded mechanics lien, you will have priority over any lien that's recorded subsequent to that. And I, I know from other conversations in, in a number of different areas with your colleagues, there are times in which um, we talk about these various uh, forms or documents that need to be submitted. Um, and in doing so, if they are done incorrectly or there's errors in them, it, it may invalidate or certainly weaken their position. And as a subcontractor, there's a lot of a lot of pitfalls in this process that they have to be cautious about making sure they do properly. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a bit more complicated than the general contractor. One, you know, again, the timing of the notices is critical, um, especially as it relates to the 90-day notice. If that notice is not made or is made late, um, that can cause potential issues with the lien, um, either making it invalid or limiting the amount that can be recovered under it. Um, a mechanics lien itself has to have certain things in it and has to be accurate in order for it to be valid. Um, the Mechanics Lien Act in Illinois is as the courts like to say, strictly construed, which to you and me means that if you don't comply with it, it's not valid. And as I look at this, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation you know, that the property owner has a contract with a contractor. They may not know who else is doing work. And we're, we're assuming in this conversation that 
a subcontractor has not been paid, but that doesn't mean that the property owner didn't pay the original, the general contractor. So first of all, from a property owner perspective, even if you pay your general contractor, it's still possible that your property would have a lien placed on it if that contractor does not pay their subcontractor, correct? Correct. And that is where the importance of getting those notices on record is very important. Um, You know, obviously there are... (laughs) There's more more than a few times where an owner has, in good faith, paid a contractor and not known there was a subcontractor and and the general contractor doesn't pay the sub. Um, That's not going to prevent the sub from recording a lien, but it will make potential litigation a lot messier. However, under the Mechanics Lien Act, if I get that notice to the owner quickly, like right after that contract is signed, the owner then has a duty to make sure that he's getting lien waivers from the general contractor that certify that he's paying the subcontractor or the owner can withhold the money and and pay the subcontractor directly. So in a nutshell here then, for not only the subcontractor, uh, documentation is critical, but for the property owner, be very cautious of agreements as you enter and understand who all the people are doing the work to ultimately protect your, your property down the road. It just sounds like a, a good legal review from all sides is, is something that should be a part of this before any work begins. It should be. And, you know, owners, uh, they should make sure that they're, one, aware who's working on the property, Um, And in big projects, this isn't always a huge problem. It's usually in residential projects where you run into this issue more. Um, But they need to be aware who's working on the property, and they need to be making sure that they're getting appropriate documents from the general contractor before they make payment. Okay, well, um, a lot of information there, and I'm going to direct folks back to LavelleLaw.com because I'm going to let uh, Lance get back to work now. I appreciate his time and thank him for being here and joining us today to have this conversation, as always. Very informative. And, uh, again, uh, LavelleLaw.com is going to provide you with a lot of information about this and other topics. And, of course, if you want to drill a little bit deeper and get some more information, you can arrange for a brief consultation. Uh, on any issue uh, by calling either Lance or one of the other attorneys at 847-705-7555. Thanks so much for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you on a future edition of our podcast.